Welcome back to the Pedestrian Podcast for South Street Court, and as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. The dog hasn't barked once all evening. Not once. <laughs> and as you hit record, he spotted his own reflection in the window, and uh, he's going to have a shit fit. <laughs> so let's see what happens. But we're good. We're good. Nothing to talk about, but we're good. Uh, yes, we haven't podded for a while. Uh, last time we podded, I think, was uh, Malik which was really good about um, HBCU and the rest of it. Uh, the, the, the only real two headline things that have happened is, uh, well, three, maybe, of lesser ex- extent. Uh, the draft, the schedule, and then the weird uh, special teams rules uh, come into action this year, which, I mean, Pat McAfee, I think the NFL must be Mr. Wist. Any other position player had a... Uh, now ESPN Daily Show than a punter because he's going on, going out every day it seems this week. Um, we'll start with the draft. Well, obviously a lot of chat going in. Uh, we did a Zoom chat. We'll call join it. Me, uh, shout out Nick, Dave, and Dan. Um, and the last however long five weeks, I wish I'd have recorded it because the heartbreak when Indianapolis took Anthony Richardson at four was. One of those moments. Um, but yeah, what before we dive into not too deep in the players, obviously, but what was your overall take on how they handled it this year? Um, I think when Richardson got picked by the Colts, everyone that was sort of leaning forward in the sofa to see what was going to happen kind of sunk back into the sofa a little bit. Because I think probably the nightmare scenario was that Seattle were picking fifth with young stroud anderson and richardson off the board yeah um i think you'd have been so thrilled to take any of those away with you um that it was a bit of a gut punch to see that happen i think even after anderson went three after the trade up you're looking at it thinking this is going every which way we don't want this to go um but yeah look look who the hell knows um but by all accounts, it seems that like they really took the two players that they particularly wanted in the positions they could get them in that first round in Witherspoon and uh, Smith and Jigba, uh, consensus best cornerback, consensus best wide receiver, that give the Seahawks two very good position group rooms in the passing game, which is kind of all you can ask for, I suppose. Um, I do think that the way they approached this draft was like... Um, they had like a big sand timer and they've sort of flipped it over. And whilst I don't think that the Seahawks necessarily have a a Super Bowl window this year, it struck me that like that sand timer has four years starting on it uh, with the pick of like Charbonnet. um, And it's basically saying like, this is the time that we're going to go and, and spend four years going to, and we're going to do it now because we've got the two tackles. We've got all of, you know, we've got Woolen. We've now got Witherspoon. We've got, JSN, we've got Kenneth Walker, um, and there's Zach Charbonnet that are sort of the key players they've picked up in the last uh, 13 months. And this is where we have to do it. And I think that's fine because the last five or six years have kind of felt like if they don't win this year, what the hell are they going to do next? So I'm quite happy for them to have a plan that maybe doesn't revolve around winning right now, but with a plan that in a couple of years' time it is properly go time. Yeah, I mean, the 
The second one, obviously, JSN, Jackson Smith and Jake Pitt, more so than Weatherspoon, because that was already a young room with Wallen. Mark Jackson's only been in the league three or four years. Then you've obviously got Trey Brown. Um, Artie Burns is back in the building as well. But that's still a young room. But at wide receiver, it's kind of like, obviously, Doug Baldwin and the, the Seals weren't planning on Doug Baldwin walking away when he did. But the Tyler Lockett pick kind of is that kind of, like the succession plan, isn't it, at wide receiver? Because mm. the similarities are there in like size and obviously game. I'm not, I think coming out of college, the Rocket game is probably dubbed as being somewhat similar. But that's where it's kind of interesting where they kind of looked ahead because it it just feels like every season for like the last two or three years, off season anyway, that this is the summer that Tyler Lockett's going to throw his, throw his uh, cleats over the the telephone line kind of thing. And he keeps coming back, he keeps going. But the fact that we've now got a year at least of Tyler, DK and JSN. Um, yeah, that's that's exciting because if Tyler walks away in a year's time, we've got another guy and you can only expect an improvement from people like Derek Young as well at the same time. And the Witherspoon pick was a surprise, but I think I think because it was so soon after the, the Richardson uh disappointment, I guess, which is that's probably doing a disservice to Witherspoon because it was just like the initial reaction was oh man, like that really, really fun freak, physical freak of nature um, might, have been, might have been cool, then we've got this 5'10", 5'11", cornerback who no one really keyed in on much, I don't think in um, Silk's draft stuff, but yeah but the, 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 the JSM pick is it just didn't feel like a pick the Seahawks were either going to make or going to be able to make. And I guess kind of how it shuffled out the first 12, 13 picks kind of led to that. But yeah, it just it, it just didn't seem to be a way with how position groups stacked up in that first round that JSM would be there at 20. And the fact he was is, yeah. And uh, we will wait and see because Tariq Wallace is injured for... It seems like six weeks, seven weeks or mm. so. But yeah, um, outside I think, of the... I think with Witherspoon, you know, my, my biggest fear was that they'd just end up like settling for someone like Tyree Wilson, who mm. deep down, yeah, he might be a good player, but in our heart of hearts, we know is not going to be a guy that's going to raise the ceiling of the team to a level where someone else couldn't. Like, you know, just a guy, you get a guy that come in and, and semi-do that job. Or someone like Witherspoon and JSN, they're both proper ceiling raises of yeah. of the team and i think that's what they had to do you know I'm, it's not the be all and end all by any stretch but i'm quite tired of like watching these nfl top 100 shows or and seeing the list <laughs> come through and there just be no seahawk players on there like we used to we're so used to having a star studded team and i do think stars really matter in the modern nfl and those two picks particularly they're the kind of players that you definitely see being on those lists next yeah. year because they because they flash yeah. Um, and so I was quite excited by that. But at the same point, on that point, the Chiefs, I mean, I guess maybe Chris Jones would be three, but it's Kelsey and Mahomes, yeah. There's no one, mm. Honey Badger left, but you don't need... Brett Clark may have been on there. Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's dominated by the two guys on offence. But um, after the first round, Zach Charbonnet, Derek Hall... Uh, I mean, Charbonnet, like, watched a little bit of. I didn't watch anything of uh, Derek Hall before the draft. But, again, they kind of... Like, the Charbonnet pick, obviously, with Kenneth Walker and everything else. But 
The Willow Boat Room was bare, wasn't it, Adam? Mm. I don't really understand people's objections to the second round running back. Like, I understand the first round thing because of their positional value. But for me, once you get sort of past pick 50, it almost feels like the whole thing's a bit of a crapshoot. Obviously, you know, if you've got to pick at 55, 56, you're thinking, well, potential starter. But, you know, whilst running backs obviously do have their shelf life and there is this idea of positional value, the kind of thing you can almost guarantee with Charbonnet is that he will feature and yeah. he will be uh, someone that is out there on a regular basis. And how often can you say that for Seahawks second round picks? You know, think of like Amadi and Blair and, and play, players like that, that just maybe Amadi wasn't a second round pick, but you know, Marquis Blair almost certain was. Like mm. You think of these second round picks that they've made in the past. And I don't know, like when you get to sort of 56 was the pick number that, that I think Charbonnet was. Like, it's a 52. guy that... 52. So you can guarantee he's going to feature. He offers a different skill set to Kenneth Walker. And and yeah, like I understand the idea that a first round running back is just simply not worth the value of contract. But when you get to that sort of pick, you're not talking about a huge amount of money. So I don't really understand where the analytic crowd gets so frustrated by that. Yeah. I I, I do think if Chardonnay had been the pick in 12 months, like even if, even if Kenneth Walker had the same year in his second year as he had in his rookie year, we take a Charbonnet at 52 in the 2024 draft. I don't think there's any conversation around because it's you can just point to Seahawks realizing that it's a, a short shelf life at running back. But I think with the success of Walker, because he was his second in voting for offensive rookie, um, yeah, I just think that's kind of added to the surprise. But I think, I think we may have mentioned during the season that there was a few weeks where obviously Walker had a few injuries, a few strains or twisted ankles and stuff and he, the rookie wall was kind of brought up. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Seahawks and the coaching staff and Chad Moore and the running back coach or Waldron at the OC kind of picked into that a bit deeper as well. Maybe maybe the maybe the reins aren't as loose on Kenneth Walker as maybe we thought they were a couple of months ago. I don't know. Actually, that's just complete uh, pie in the sky to make him haven't seen anything on the field. But that would kind of fit in line with that, wouldn't it? That Shabney is this all-round guy who can who can take the who maybe can take the workload, but yeah, that's just yeah, and, and certainly those sorts of plays where you want someone just to fall forward two yards. Yeah, um, I don't ever get the impression that Kenneth Walker loves doing that. You know, he's the kind of guy that, to a fault at times last year, was seeing what was manifesting in front of him and bouncing out outside, and quite often that led to like a home run, but. You kind of need the guy that's going to take the singles every now and again. And Charbonnet does seem like that guy that's just going to do his job between the tackles, fall forward for two to three to four yards when you need those those short yards. Then you can you can have Walker um, not wrapped up in cotton wool, but you can protect him a bit more and not ask him to do the stuff that is going to, you know, add some tread to his tyres and you, and you leave him fresh for the home run hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. But also, like I said, the running back room was there. It was Walker and DJ Dallas before uh, the pick at number 52 because Travis Home is somewhere else. Uh, Rashad Penny is somewhere else. And now, even further down the uh, depth chart over in Philly with the addition of DeAndre Swift. And then uh, Godwin, the pick returner, he was allowed to walk and I think he's still out as a free agent, I believe. Uh, the next pick, Anthony Bradford, interior airline. As well as the one of the picks in round five was interior airline Olu Oluwatimi from Michigan. Um, 
though blue and all that. Uh, it, but like the, the the two in between those two picks are the ones that kind of obviously Bob Condotto was on uh, Jackson Bevan's cigar thoughts last week talking about like how they might be I think the most important picks because when Anthony Richardson goes at four, it's all eyes, all fingers appointing at Jalen Carter from Georgia who went a few picks later, but they they waited until one, two, three and one five one to address perhaps their biggest need entering the draft in the particularly with Cameron Young the, the big body inside interior. But what, what what do you make of them waiting it out 122 picks, 123 picks before addressing what was probably the barest part of the squad altogether? I think in the past that the Seahawks have had bare patches in this in the roster and thought, right, we have to address that at the highest position possible, regardless of who's actually there. And that's led them to kind of the LJ Polliers of this world who have just been overdrafted. And as I say about this sort of sand timer that gives us four years to go, I have no problem with them identifying holes on the roster and saying, we're going to fill this with cheap players or short-term players. And yeah, the middle of the defence could be a disaster next year. But I kind of feel that they know that and they're okay with that because they don't... This is what I think about them not necessarily thinking that this is the year where it all it all comes good and, and they go and win. So, you know, the two linebackers are both on one-year deals, cheap in, in, in Wag, Wagner and Devin Bush. You've got Draymond Jones, a defensive tackle, but outside that it's cheap guys or it's short-term guys. So it sets them up to be in a position next year where they know exactly what they'll have to get next year in order to really formulate the team to be ready to go because they've they've plugged all of the other spots now with with a fair amount of quality, you'd have to say. Mm. Um, And I actually respect the fact that instead of, you know, sending next year's second round pick for a Sheldon Richardson type, they've just said, look, this is what we've got. We're going to get the best player we can get at, at the reasonable price and position. And if it works, then great. We've we've found something that we don't expect to have. Or if not, that's next year's task, and I think that's okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I, also, I really like Cameron Young. He's he's yeah, not... and these guys might also be good players, which yeah. is good. I, I, like I think they've taken again, like potentially high ceiling players. If if the floor's not there, then it is what it is. Yeah, I I picked up. I think it was after the combine. I I uh, messaged uh, Matty Brown, who obviously is way more in tune with defenses and what players are asked to do and all that stuff. And I, I watched Cameron Young because I, I think I saw I think he said that the Seahawks met with him at the Combine and somewhere else. And maybe the senior bowl. Must have been the senior bowl. It's the Seahawks. Yeah. And then I saw that all 32 teams were at Mississippi State's uh, pro day like three days later. So the Seahawks watched the Seahawks were following this this dude around. So when I got the notification I got a message from uh uh, Matty saying that I was onto something because he is—he's a big—he's a big boy. He's very like he's—he's he's outwards Brandon Mebe and that kind of thing. He's not going to get Chris Jones sack numbers, but he's going to be an issue to get out of the way, kind of things, which is kind of what we envisioned we wanted when Al Woods was released a couple of months ago. Um, as for Mike Rice, it's just—it's well, just wait and see, isn't it, kind of thing? Because we didn't really expect what we got from. Uh, Cheo Rosu, uh, Boya Mafe never really got consistent run of th- snaps and impact, did he, in his rookie year? So that's kind of, and obviously Daryl Taylor is, he could be anything in uh, 2023. Um, Derek Reed at safety was at the end of the sixth round. And Kenny McIntosh, another running back, 
from Georgia. So that, like you said, like everything is more relatively stocked up. They had a huge undrafted free agent class, 26, 27, I think it was. Um, yeah, the ATAs is here, but yeah, it, it just it, the, the only the biggest other surprise really again is that the Seahawks and Josh Snow have gone another draft and they still have only selected Russell Wilson and Alex Magoo at quarterback because all clients pointed finances of Geno Smith length of the deal of Geno Smith, uh, even re signed Drew Lock. It kind of suggested that the door would be open for any uh, quarterbacks coming in, but they uh, sat it out again, Adam. Yeah, it, it's funny because every draft season from February, March onwards, all you hear is, well, you know, John Schneider's out of that Green Bay school and you know, Ron Wolf always said take a quarterback. So you just know that Schneider's going to be wanting to take a quarterback. And I just wonder if at some point we're going to get to a point where someone has to turn around and say, no, like that's not what Schneider thinks. <laughs> and that's that's not what he's about. I mean, if I took you the ice this year, was I, diff- this year was different, though, wasn't it? This was, like, aggressively banging that drum. Yeah, but, like, if I took you to go and get ice cream 14 times, and on yeah. 12 of those occasions you just said, nah, do you know what? I'm not going to have ice cream today. Even if you had ice cream at home in Russell Wilson or Geno Smith or whatever, I would have to start wondering how much you actually liked ice cream. <laughs> so it, it gets to a point where... People can talk about John Schneider all they want about you know the, where he's where he's been schooled and what his history has been, but maybe that's just not him. And you know, you you would have thought that someone like DCR, like in the fourth or fifth round, they would have just taken a flyer. Um, you know, I, I I get not getting going after someone like Hendon Hooker because that becomes an investment that has to come good on. But you would have thought they'd maybe bring someone in to test Drew Lock out and see what he's made of. But for whatever reason, they're just not doing it and. At, at some point, I think questions need to be asked about how much John Schneider actually likes drafting quarterbacks. <laughs> well, Stroud goes two, then Richardson goes four. Then you're thinking, okay, five or 20, as it turned out, could have been Will Lewis. I'm completely as fine as anything could be with him not doing that. But as you said, then you get to a point with DTI, you've got Darren Hall, you've got, you've even got um, the old Huskies quarterback. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Jay Hayner. 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 Yeah, like, just take, like... Stetson Bennett, just like two oh, two no. national championships. I, I wouldn't say that they would go for him, but he no, was No, but yeah, just, just like, it's it, it's basically the Mike Morris pick could be that. They've took a, a, some, a relative flyer on someone who could be a, a, a Vegas Raider by 2025 kind of thing. <laughs> but do that a quarterback, just see what... But yeah, it was, it, I, I did find it strange when they didn't... They, Levis was fine with DTR was the one. Even like Jaron Hall, although he's very, he's like a smaller Russell Wilson, so I can understand why they skipped that one. But, but yeah, but that's just that's the one position they're kind of putting pressure on him on themselves, isn't it? The quarterback because it's such a big decision. They keep saying they don't want to be top ten, top five in twenty twenty four and beyond, but there's a distinct possibility that they're not going to be. But they're not going to be, and it's going to be doing no part to the quarterback play and they're going to have to answer that question from 18, 19, 20 onwards instead of five. Well, this is it. I mean, and it's been entirely their decision. Yeah. They have chosen not to replace Russell Wilson with the haul that Russell Wilson brought in. Um, but that's just that's just a fact. Um, and that may, be, that may prove to be right, it may prove to be wrong. But 
basically they've they've taken what they got for Russell Wilson and, and not brought anyone in um to to kind to kind of you know we all thought but, after the first year, right, the second draft they get yeah. they're set up to get a replacement. They've now not done that. And if they do end up drafting 18 onwards next year, it may be tricky to find the guy. So they've obviously got a plan. And I'm interested to see how, how it works out because on the face of it, it does look a little bit like, well, where do you get your next guy from? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, last, like the thing is also with last year is that watching what the rookies did last year, it kind of go, okay, yeah, but that seems to be the right decision sitting that one out. But this year, obviously, there's an open question, especially with people. Um, well, it's only really Will Levis in it because they didn't have a shot at Richardson. So, yeah, it's, it's yes, they're just putting pressure on themselves. It's going to be interesting how it plays out, particularly with um, with Gino. Is your like percentage of like playoff percentage or successful 2023 season is that raised any with the draft hall they got and the Weatherspoons, JSNs of the world being added to the, the proverbial mix? It's funny if you dumped this team into any random season, I'd probably say. They might scrape into the playoffs, but this season, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I guess you can only beat what's up in front of you. The state of the NFC is not that great. And I don't, I don't even think there's a team that you can say hand on heart, you'd throw your mortgage at. They will definitely be better than Seattle. Yeah. Um, like the Niners probably should be, the Eagles almost certainly should be, but it wouldn't be mad if either of those two teams had a you know had a collapse and you know the, the, the silks would be within two wins of them by the end of the season mm. no it, especially the 49ers mm. especially because we control that those chances by playing them twice yeah we, we control that gap being shortened but also if this, if this team feels I don't know if well equipped but it just feels better suited to Make the most of the the forty nine ers in their top three quarterbacks mm. this year, kind of thing. The Eagles. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if we go like ten and seven, but zero yeah. and four against the AFC North. It'll yeah. be interesting to see how you kind of judge the team because is it good enough to just be the best in a or really good when the division's bad, or do you just need to be objectively good always? I, I don't know how to. I don't know how what to think about it really. Yeah, I mean, you could probably, yeah, you could probably pick out the top three teams in the NFC are probably the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers. Then yeah. you've got the Giants, probably. The Panthers have got a rookie, so they could be anything. The Saints, Lions, Derek Carr, Lions, uh, yeah. But they're the three. But the Seahawks are in that kind of second wave, aren't they, where there's questions to be asked, but both are. Uh, Barrel season or uh, pushing for, uh, yeah. I think Giants, Giants, Lions, Seahawks is that next tier of three, yeah. And some might say that the Cowboys should be in that tier as well, yeah. But yeah, it's this I mean, they're in a better room, it's completely different, I guess, isn't it? Because, uh, mm. Pollard is injured and Zeke's gone, um, yeah. Like, I, I, I think that the, the JSM because. Mike Jackson was so reliable last year. The, the Weatherspoon one kind of feels like that's quite cool, but but the JSM one kind of that gets to kind of like the the meter ticking up a little bit. I think it does. It's 
because look, we've said look, 18 months ago we were crying out for him to take over the OBJ who they may win the Super Bowl with the Rams and now in Baltimore with Lamar but yeah they've kind of finally li- not listened because they took the switch but they've kind of kind of done, done the thing and took that what could could be and looks like it could be an elite level talent a, a position where that they've, they've caught up or kept pace with the league doing the three three wide receiver three legitimate targets for your quarterback kind of thing so yeah it's 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 gonna be interesting how it all folds out but the the, the JSM pick is the one which has probably takes the percentage up more than any others because Chardonnay is you don't know what the workload's gonna look like with Walker and then all the rest of them, you kind of just like, yeah, if they play... If 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 the first six picks have the same impact as the first six did last year, then this it's, it, it could be a it could be a fun run, but it's a long way to go. Um, I think, sorry, last thing, you mentioned about Tyler Lockett, uh, you know, where his career is going or where it might be taken. It's not, you know, obviously he will choose to make whatever decision on the field that he wants to make, but it's not ideal that he has no interest in Yak anymore. You know, it, it's that obviously it's great for him, but it's not fantastic for the team that your one of your top receivers has no interest in running the ball after he catches it. So having someone like JSN, who by the sounds of it is going to be more of a volume receiver than you know a, a, a bomb catching receiver. The fact that he gives you the option to run after the catch could be really significant because then you can use Lockett in slightly different ways where you don't require him to, you know, turn up field and run seven or eight yards because Lockett doesn't look like he's got any interest, any interest in doing that anymore. No. <clears throat> also, you've got people like Noah Fant who's still knocking around. and You it, love it, a bit they, of Noah nah, if, 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 Him and the open space has in the past shown a history of uh, a little bit of speed, but not having a third wide receiver may have... Kept him a bit in line blocking, but yeah, that may be my um, penchant for Iowa, Iowa tight ends. Um, yeah, yeah that, 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 it was a interesting draft class. Like a couple of them, I have no idea if they're going to be any good because I didn't watch much. But Cam Young, uh, JSN, and obviously Witherspoon, once the Richardson disappointment has subsided, with a uh, stand. Out uh, after that, it, the NFL schedule came. Um, was gonna save this for the bin, but um, the schedule makers did did this dirty. They really fucked us, didn't they? But <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm 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 legitimately at work earlier today, looking at Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> Just to scratch the itch. That's definitely it's definitely wire influence, which probably isn't the safest jaunt to make. But um Yeah, let me tell you that is that's some city, Baltimore. <laughs> Not always in the uh in the positive <laughs> way, I'm afraid. Uh yeah. Um yeah, the uh what, three and a half months, four months of uh yeah, right, we do Nashville, yeah? Yeah, yeah, so we do Nashville. Got a few <laughs> other people in, interested and then the schedule comes out. I was at um have a word live in Birmingham. I think it was you. It was you or Mr. Sayers who sent it through saying the tweet we said, Titans, Seahawks, Christmas Eve. Like. Absolute bell ends. The only worst week is the week after, right? That's probably, I mean, New Year's would be, but Christmas Day in Nashville, 
I mean, it might be fun. There's a few people making the trip, which is wild. But, um, yeah, they just absolutely did this, didn't they? I mean, look, Christmas Day for me basically means Tuesday, whatever day even falls. It doesn't mean a damn thing to me. I still can't get away and do it because of other family members. So, uh, yeah, that would have been a perfect one to do. Um, yeah. Really frustrating. Really yeah. frustrating. Not, not not many primetime games for the Seahawks. Um, got, Thanksgiving, got Thanksgiving this year, which is um home game as well, which could be fun. Um, again, it's only tough parts of that or is it just like let's see what happens when we get to I think November December shape has been pretty tough don't they it's a more favourable start and then it it, can, it gets tougher sort of between Thanksgiving and Christmas I think yeah the early buy then the back to back Thursday games aren't great but the back to back Thursday games is just the same as back to back Sunday games isn't it well, don't, don't, don't tell the players that <laughs> they don't appear to understand how uh how the uh, pristine calendar works in terms of the number of days between the same day of the week. Because uh, <laughs> apparently this is some sort of disastrous thing. Uh, I have no <laughs> idea why. Yeah. Uh, so start off with the Rams, uh, home, over to Detroit, uh, and then the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, the, the trip is uh, looking unlikely. But 2024, Adam, we got New York for the Jets, Chicago and New England for the Patriots. So that could be... Uh, Circle quite physically until we get like the final three weeks of the season, probably for them three games. After I said that now, but yeah, yeah. um, 2024 looks like the trip, the ped bods next trip. Is that right? Let's do it. Has uh, to be done. yeah, um, any thoughts? Any other Seahawks related news? Um, OTAs now, nothing major is happening. Jamal Adams isn't turned up, which is not a story. Uh, who cares? Um, doesn't appear to be I me. Mean, it's that sort of awkward time of the season where you don't stuff's happening, but nothing of value is happening. No. Um, they've got their rookies signed, so I think it's just a case of crack on till camp now, isn't it? And try and uh, yeah, I think so. I, can't, I really can't. I can't think of anything else apart from the kickoff thing. Well, you can't think of anything else because your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, yeah, until Saturday. Um, yeah, no, I don't think there is anything else. Um, yeah, the the kickoff thing is is just stupid, right? Mm, yeah, just just get rid of kickoffs altogether if this is what you want to do. Yeah, but maybe yeah, it just makes no sense. And the fact there's so many teams waiting for it is just bizarre, especially a team who give a special team a however much money they gave him. I guess they're going to have to like squib it. If they want to cause a return, yeah, because yeah. you can't fair catch off a bounce, can you? Yeah, there's just there's just no point. But like, like in football, kickoffs have changed, didn't they? Because it used to, it always used to be two players at sense. Yeah, now it's one. Yeah, I mean that's but well, it's a different sport, physicality levels and all that. But yeah, it's just the kickoffs are just a weird. I don't really understand why teams in football go into football. Why do they have a coin toss? <laughs> no, it's way more impactful in, in well, maybe not even cricket anymore, but it's way more impactful in NFL than it's football. But yeah, yeah, it's just a, like you said, a very dead um, time. Any other NFL stuff? Put your goat will segue this into a bin if you want anyone, anything. Um, I was pleased for Lamar Jackson that he got his contract. 
it's going to be very interesting to see if he can possibly play up to that contract with, you know, the way in which he plays, getting slightly older. Um, and you just wonder if, like, these teams just relent, don't they, every time. They try and play hardball and they realise that they screwed without the quarterback uh, and being screwed with him is better than being screwed without him. So it will be interesting to see if one day a team just says, do you know what? No. And, 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 and go with what they've got because I'm not convinced this makes Baltimore a better team overall or well, it makes them better than having Tyler Huntley but I don't think this makes them more likely to win a Super Bowl than otherwise No, because the other moves I've made, they haven't really made apart from OBJ they haven't really made any of the moves to like have that boost have they? I don't really know who they drafted and things like that but it just kind of feels like another just... wide receiver in free agency from memory uh, that sounds plausible. Um, yeah, it just it, it was good for me. It doesn't take away from the fact that I've graced a lot of the owner's comments around not even looking at Lamar were um, in the lead up to it. Uh, Arthur Black, mm. especially, were just just it's just yeah, it's just bad bad vibes. Um, yeah, uh, it's I, don't, I really don't think much else has happened. The, the booking agents for certain NFL Network morning shows need to be. Uh, questioned. Um, yeah, but that's a, we'll so. deal with that at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anything else? Anyone else caught your attention? Oh, well, I think there's you've been more caught up in final head coaches the last. Well, I mean, the whole hours sporting world has been so disgustingly awful recently that it's been hard to focus on <laughs> things like the NFL. Uh, yeah. Good on our mate Nick Nick Wright who. LA Angels is uh, tearing it up in Los Angeles, watching the Anaheim Halos <laughs> win, win, and win, which is great to see. And rare. I'm rare. And rare. Uh, we've got a new Twitter account. I'm not sure who we said, the Ped Pod, which is now verified, um, terrifyingly. Or the, the, the tip will be going up soon. Um, that was news to me. <laughs> And we're just we're just thrashing life out, Rich, you aren't we? We're, we're, yeah. I mean, we, like, as every football fan... We're both living every football fan's idea of a perfect season on Saturday, Adam, because we're the last game of the season we're watching is uh, at Wembley. Indeed, and we'll is... be there. We'll be there, arm in arm, to see <laughs> hopefully get over the line. Oh yeah, there's there's moments in sport, and uh, yeah, the the noise um, from the away end when the final whistle went and when he, I don't know, how many cough players and stuff just ran over to. 2,000 of us, uh, not realising we had a three and a half hour journey home. <laughs> 40 minutes away, but yeah, it's one of the. It doesn't matter what happens on Saturday, that won't be topped for uh, quite a while because that was just, that was unbelievable. Victor Yokerez, man. So, um, yeah, ABBA, everything. I'm glad they won Eurovision, the works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, few hours and uh, the hangover could be. Epic, yeah, despair, or yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, the pet is what is that on Twitter? The pet pod, the pet pod, uh, go and give it a follow. We're going to try and get more active on that. We're going to reach out to our usual means and methods, try and get people to not reply to our emails and jump on and be the third mic because, Adam said, there's not a lot to talk about, um, at the minute. 
Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, have, we'll, have con- we'll have content through the whole song, but it'll be it'll be guest related, and it's just about getting the guests that are worth worth your the hours of your lives to listen to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We have to, yeah. Hopefully, we have to delete them episodes in a couple of years' time. Either, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All the usual means and methods: Spotify, iTunes, um, and Podbean. Uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy playoff final weekend, the final day of the season. I mean, Saturday could be something. Sunday could be something completely different uh, over in Leicestershire. Uh, it could be quite a weekend in uh, the CV postcode. Uh, but yeah, until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast PUSB. Mm-hmm.